Woke. We're in week three of our series, Woke. I hope you've really enjoyed this series. I hope that you stay woke. And this is what it's all. This series is about context, understanding context, where we come from. And um, during the, over the summer period, we've been, our family's been holidaying at Hot Water Beach with uh, Matt and Michelle over there, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the people that brought a lot of great wisdom about marriage. Um, and we're, one day we we're out in the uh, Hot Water Beach. Has anybody not been to Hot Water Beach? Put you up if you've never been up there. No, just, I don't want to put anybody out. But I encourage you, never been, go there. It's awesome. You know, you go there, you dig, dig holes in the sand, and hot water comes out of the, out of the bottom. You have to wait till all the, all the, the tides go out first, otherwise you'll be underwater when you do that. So it doesn't quite work. But so, so, you, so you look around, and there's like all these little um, uh, makeshift um, Hot water tubs, okay? And, you're, and people are trying to, it's like trying to strike gold, finding the spot that has hot water. And uh, we're really good at finding hot water, you know? And then you kind of protect your spot. This is our, you know, you shall not pass, you know? And, uh, but it was also a great place where, you, where we can begin to talk and meet new people, lots of people from, from overseas. A lot of European visitors come along there, fill up the holes, uh, fill up, <laughs> make holes, should I say? <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. And, um, and on one of these particular days, we're just relaxing in, 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 the, um, in one of these pools, and this Pacific Island family arrives, and, and they're like, got their love lovers, they're just fully, fully dressed in their shirts, and, and they turn up to the beach. And then they, they go for a swim, and they go for a swim fully dressed, you know, with, with their love lovers, their t-shirts, and and singlets, and, uh, which, is, which is fine, but with hot water beaches, notorious for rips, and, and we're kind of concerned because they, they were swimming right next to a rip, so me and Matt, we kind of jump out of a pool, you know, and we say, hey, you know, guys, let you guys know there's a rip here, because uh, Matt's got some great knowledge, in, like, you see, there's a rip there, and I'm like, yeah, there's a rip there, I have no idea, I'm just pretending I know, because you know, it's forming there, yeah, that's right, it is forming over there, and I'm like, this looks like water to me, and, uh, and uh, so we get out there to, hey, look, just swim between the flags, just look. and they were really they're compliant, they, went, they swam between the flags, then we jump back in, in a hole, and then, then the question was asked, is, oh, you know, why did they jump in the water of all their clothes, and, and uh, in fact, why did they come to the beach so covered up, and as I was looking around in all the holes, people were barely wearing anything, and, and I'm looking at these guys who were fully dressed, and, uh, and I said, well, that, that, there's, a, there's, there's context, there's different context there, which context is right? And so you've got to understand with the people of the Pacific and, um, being Polynesian and uh, that when the Europeans first arrived, they, they, when they came to the islands, they, you know, um, um, that people were barely wearing anything. Ladies were, were bare-chested bare and, and they said, hey, look, that is wrong. You've got to cover up. And they covered up. And then generation after generation, it was passed on. Cover up, cover up, cover up. And so even so today, when they go for a swim, they go cover it up because it's, it's a generational thing that's been passed on, been passed on, been passed on. Passed on because, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, right? They took bite of that fruit, the forbidden fruit. Do not eat of, God said, do not eat of the fruit. And they took bite of it. And now their eyes were open. And they were hiding in the bush. And hiding in the bush, like they're hiding in this bush trying to hide from God, like this, you know. And, you know, you know how can you hide from God, right? And, and so they're hiding in this bush, but to God, it's like, I can see you. <laughs> I know where you are. You know when you play hide and go seek with your kids, and you can see your kid, and you pretend you don't see them? <laughs> oh, I don't see I wonder where you are. And, they go, and they're behind the bush like this. <laughs> you know, and they're kind of giggling. Well, God's like, seeing these guys sticking out, he goes, Adam, where are you, Adam? And he goes, and he goes I'm over here. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. And he's hiding, and God says, why are you hiding? And what does Adam say? Because, because we're naked. What does God say? He said, who told you? 
you were naked. I didn't tell you that. Who told you you were naked? I mean, who told you that you'll never amount to anything? God never told you that. Who told you that you'll never find another loving relationship ever again? Who told you that? God didn't tell you that. I mean, who told you that your destination will always be prison? God didn't tell you that. You gotta be careful who's speaking in your ears. Who's whispering in your ear? Who's leading you down a path that God didn't say? So who's whispering in your, in your ear? And, we, and, and if we're not careful, if we don't deal with it in this generation, we'll deal with it in the next generation. We find families are forever wondering why they can never um, get above from where they are because for, from one generation to another generation, they've always had the ceiling because it was never dealt in a generation, which is why when we think about the 1800s, uh, when, when we think of what happened to, to the Māori in this land, when they, when, they, when they were marginalized, when their voice was taken, when their lands were taken, then generation after generation being told uh, that, that your culture is evil, being told everything about you is evil, generation after generation after generation after generation, we end up with a generation not, under, not knowing why they're hurting, not knowing why they can't rise above. And they think, I don't know why, but this, this is like our ceiling. Because the words that have been spoken, we never dealt with it. And you know, I, don't share, I don't share this story so we can look for people to blame, because don't do that. This is not the blame game. This is about being woke, stay woke, and understanding context. So then when you understand context, when we hear that Māori are, are overrepresentative in, the, in our prison systems, when they're overrepresented in our social welfare systems, then we understand context of a generational thing that's been, been spoken over and over and over again till we get a generation who, who feel they can never rise above. And it brings context. And when it brings context to a situation, we better understand. We're, see, we can't change our past. But when we remember what has happened, then we can choose the very best for our future to, to, together as a nation. And this is what the work series is all about, understanding context with one another. And, 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 and think about even your family. What words have been spoken over your family? That, that, that it continues to carry on, and we look back to your father, your grandfather, those words continue to carry We've got to be careful words. They're powerful. Well, words are spoken. It, it, can, it can not just marginalize you, but it can marginalize your generation to come, unless we deal with it now. And here we are in this generation, picking up the pieces, dealing with it together, speaking truth through the word of God. It's about staying woke, which is why Fina Cooper, Dame Fina Cooper, Dame Fina Cooper is... When, um, they did a poll of all the top 10 Kiwis, New Zealanders, you know, um, that ha had ever lived. And Dane Fina Cooper is part of the, in the top 10. Okay, so this, it's, got a, it's quite a great list. This is what Dane Fina Cooper said. He said, she said this. She said this, take care of our children. Take care of what they hear. Take care of what they see. Take care of what they feel. For how the children grow, so will the shape of Aotearoa. She understood. It's about breaking generational curses. She understood about, about, about changing the way we think about one another. And she understood that we need, to, we need to deal with it now, not look for someone else to fix it all up. You know, maybe the generation before us messed it all up, but we just don't just ignore it. We've got to deal with it now. And it's, about, it's, about, it's about breaking curses now, breaking what people have spoken over your life. What have people spoken over your life? You know, if you continue to allow people to speak over of the wrong people, after a while you begin to believe it. It's time to nip it in the butt, so to speak, to plug those holes. Say, devil, not today. 
not over my family, not over my grandparents, not over my grandchildren, not for the generations to come. Amen? Woke. Woke. In fact, um, this series we're going to be, um, today we're going to be, we're, we're going to be um, camping in the book of Job. Job. I, 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 is anybody like, like me? I, I know it's Job, but I keep calling, calling him Job. Anybody like me? Job? Or is it just me? It's just me, Job. So sometimes I just prefer to call him Jay. Just keep it right again, Jay. Hey, again, Jay. Anyway, Job. Job's quite an interesting story. And, and when you read the book of Job, it's, it, to be honest, it's a, it's a book that um, lot, a lot of people love reading Job, but it's one that I'm afraid of, to be honest. You know, like, you know, the things that Job went through, I'm like, I do not want this. Lord, I, I mean, I love you, Lord. You don't need to put me through any test. And if you never read the book, read the book of Job, I'm going to give you a bit of a summary. So the book of Job kind of has a strange kind of beginning. It kind of like starts within a heavenly command center, so to speak. And, and there are these angelic um, creatures, and, and they're called sons of God, and they're, and they're called together, and they're, and they're reporting for duty. So Job, Job 1 verse 8 says this. Then the Lord said to Satan, or we would say Satan, the Lord will say to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Jay, he's a good guy, Jay. There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. This, this setting is at the same time as Abraham, which means Job is not an Israelite. He's not an Israelite. He's not a Jew. And this is what God is saying of, some, of someone who's outside the, the Israelite line. But he's from the same family as Abraham, okay? So for a Jewish person, they go, oh, he, oh he, he's... He, you know, uh, he's a cousin of ours, that, you know, that, that line, you know, Fanoongatunga. Okay, we we're kind of connected here. And so, and so, and it's really interesting, and he says that he is blameless and upright, meaning he's without sin. Because, whoa, that's quite a big statement from God. But then the Satan, or, the sat or Satan, Satan is a title, it's not a name. It's not the devil's name, it's a title. It literally means one who opposes. That's literally, it's a title that means one that opposes, the Satan. One who opposes. So, 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 so Satan comes to God and goes, oh, you know, you know, God, the only reason why Job is, um, um, loves you and, and he's blameless is because he's kind of working the system. Job understands the system that, that you know, if, that if, uh, um, if you continue to bless him, he'll continue to do good. But if you take that away from him, God, then you'll begin to see his true colors. Isn't it interesting when you say no to somebody, you begin to see their true colors. Like, how do you react when somebody says no to you? Right? Do you get upset? Does anybody get this angry? Or like, oh, do you say that? Or do you, okay. But Job, so, uh, so the Satan, the opposer said, ah, oh, he's going to, you watch him react when you say no to him. So God agrees and he allows the Satan to inflict suffering upon Job. Remember, Job is innocent. He didn't need that, but he, but he still does. He inflicts it on it anyway. Job loses everything. He loses all his possessions. He loses his children. It's devastating. This is why I don't like reading the book of Job. He loses, it's, it's devastating. And in Job 1.20, and at this Job got up, tore his robes, shaved his head. <laughs> Had a cool hairstyle. Well, then what does it say next? Then he fell to the ground and worshipped. It's a remarkable thing. What does Job do? What's his first reaction? To worship God. Yeah, is that your first reaction when you lose everything? 
when everything doesn't seem to be going the right way? When you, when you lose someone you love, is that your first reaction? To kneel down and worship God? Or do you look for ways where you can get revenge? Or, 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 or you, look for, you look for ways where you can get your way? Or are we going to be like Job, who goes and he kneels down and worships God? And then Job has these amazing friends. They're great friends. They come and give him, they comfort him. They comfort him. And some people are laughing because they've read the story. But they comfort, and you know, they come along to Job and they say, well, Job, this is how they comfort him. Well, Job, we know God is good. He's a good God and he's fair. He's a fair God. So obviously, Job, you've done something wrong. You've sinned. And Job goes, and he's like, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. He goes, yes, you have. And they begin to come up with this, this kind of list of what he, what he thinks that he might have done. So you want to be careful of the people who's whispering in your ears. Think about the issue. So think, think about something like you, uh, you, you're not like, oh, you know, I'm okay with somebody. But then someone comes along and whispers something to you about this person. And you're like, no, 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 no. Well, no we're all good. We're all good. What do you, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean they're doing this? But then the seed is sown in. And then next you know, you, if you let this thing germinate, exactly what M- Matthew said, Matt, the surfer said, and, and you begin to let this, and you, and you get these negativities been growing, and all of a sudden you, you, you rage war against somebody in your mind because you allow the spoken word to pop into you. Be careful who's, who's whispering in your ear. And this is what Job, and this is what they're doing to Job, begin to speak over, like, oh, you know, maybe this, you know, you know sometimes when, like, even like uh, when my son got sick, people used to say, oh, you know, I think it's because of some, um, some sin in his life. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. I'm taking hold of the book of Job. You know, when you read the book of Job, you know, it's, um, God, he was innocent. Some, you know, um, one of the leaders I respect, his name is Pastor Luke Bro. Um, sometimes when leaders come to him with some ideas, in his mind he's thinking, oh, I'm agree with that, I think it's yes. But instead of saying yes, he says no to them. And the reason why he says no to them is because he wants to see how they react. And then after a month or so, He'll come back to them saying, it's a yes. But these people, they react and they end up leaving. They say, oh, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. And I love what Job says. What does he say? He says this in um, Job 16:2. I heard many things like these. This is about his, these guys giving all this great comfort. And, and this is what it says. You are miserable comforters, all of you. You guys got friends like that? Man, you're miserable comforters. Oh my gosh, you come here to make me feel good, you make me feel bad, even worse. Now you're saying it's my fault, I've got sin in my life, and you've spoken all these things over my, over my life. And, 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 you know, and, then, and so now these things, and, and, he's, and he's emotional, of, of course. He's lost everything, he's going on this emotional roller coaster, and he, and he says, God, this is unfair. And he says, God, you're unfair. I've done nothing. And he starts complaining, he says, God, you're unfair. Why did you, it's okay to be honest with God. God is unfair. Why? Come on, tell me. Speak to me. God speaks to him. God turns up like, you be careful what you ask for. And he turns up, and he turns up, and the Bible says, like, like the stormy cloud, and he speaks to him. You know what's really interesting when God speaks to him? God doesn't even answer his question. In fact, God doesn't even inform him what actually happened about his convers- God's conversation with the Satan. He doesn't even tell him about that. About that. What he does, he begins to, to show him his creation, and he says, look at my creation. Do you understand my creation? Do you understand all that's going on? Do you understand the, the, the behind the scenes? Can you for one day command creation? Do you understand my, my perspective is infinitely greater than yours? Infinitely greater. Because God is everywhere. 
and in everything. And, and I love um, and, um, the writer in Ephesians chapter, chapter 1, verse 22 to 23 says, and, and talking of Jesus, this is what Paul says, and says, and God placed all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That Jesus, Jesus is the fullness of God, in him, but in him he fills everything in every way. That God is everywhere in every way. That he's in everything. He's in the air I breathe, the ruach. You know, the Hebrews have, have four meanings for the word ruach. Spirit, wind, um, breath, and um, mind. And it animates, it's about animates, the ruach animates. When you see the leaves moving, it's the ruach that's animating the leaves. That God breathed the ruach and it animated man. And that when we think, uh, it animates our thinking and it creates, um, creates action. There's this ruach that God permeates all of creation. That God is in all things, and, and all things are in Him, but God is distinct from His creation. And it's this concept that God is, God is distinct from His creation, but yet God is in all things, and all things in Him. And in Colossians, Paul continues to flesh this idea out even more. For in Him all things were created, um, things in the heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether, whether through the powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is everywhere. God is here. He is here in our midst. And we worship Him. That God is in all things, but He's distinct from all things. Like, the, like God is in the stage, but God is not the stage. God is in the tree, but God is not the tree. God is in everything. He holds everything together, but He's distinct. He's everywhere, but He's distinct. And this is the God we worship. And, and you know, for us, we find this concept kind of hard to understand because of our Western point of view. Because our Western point of view comes from a, from a Greek Plato point of view uh, about this idea of dualism, right? Dualism, where, where dualism is this, is that, that, that creation, that God, God's over there somewhere and creation's over here. Creation's over here. That God's over there and we're over here. And, and this comes from, and so we, we kind of have to grasp that God is in all things and in all things, and He's distinct. And, and the Eastern Orthodox Church continued to hold on to these ideas and a grasp. And, and when, when the church is separated, and when it became the Catholic Church as we know it, the Eastern Orthodox continued with these ideas. Because there was this idea that they were wrestling with, there was this mindsets. Eastern mindset or Western mindset? Whose mindset is right? Is it a six or a nine? <laughs> it's context. There's nothing wrong with any mindset. And so when we read the Bible, sometimes we struggle with some things because the, the Bible's written with Eastern mindset. And we read things, we've got a Western mindset. Sometimes we struggle with some things. But one thing we don't struggle with is the gospel message because it transcends all race, all creeds, and the words of God begins to transform you. But there are some things that we struggle with, right? When we look at these things like, oh, God is in all things, and, but he's not, and he's not this, and he's, he's not that. God's in all things. And so when we, when we begin to understand this idea that God's in all things, and and all things are in Him, but God is distinct from Him. We begin to understand um, some of these verses in our Bibles, with, with, with like Acts chapter 17, verse 28. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking to pagan Greeks. And this is what the Apostle Paul said to the pagan Greeks. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offsprings. So he's, he's saying, even you who don't believe in God, God is in you. And you are in Him. 
And, it is a re- and your relationship has been torn between you and God, but God is still in you, even though you, your relationship hasn't been restored. Because God is in everything and all things. Because in Him, we live, we move, and we have our being in Him. And then we continue to look at Scripture and some of these other Scriptures we kind of find confusing. In Acts chapter 19, 11 to 12, then God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. What kind of miracles did he do through Paul, you may, may be asking? So that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched them were taken to the sick and the illness were cured and the evil spirits left them. So the handkerchiefs, like, like you know, the, the things that Paul had touched, it went to those who were sick and they put it on the sick and they were healed. And, the, and, and so when, when you understand this, this idea that, that God is not the handkerchief or the hanky, we had this conversation, is it handkerchiefs or handkerchiefs? Like... Did the, did, the, did the Chiefs win or was it the Chiefs that won? I don't know. Stop fucking joke. Anyway, so he puts this hanky on them. There's no, they got to understand something. God is in the hanky, but God is not the hanky. Okay, so we don't worship the hanky, but we understand that God is in everything and it's the power of the Holy Spirit that heals, not the hanky. Oh, only thing the hanky can do is wipe your nose. But sometimes we take these things and we begin to worship it. We worship it at the creator things rather than the creator. And then we read other things, and this is even more stranger. Numbers 21, verse 8 to 9. Then the Lord said, this is in the Old Testament, Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. I don't know about you, but that sounds like paganism to me, right? Because we, when we put our Western thinking on it, we think, whoa, heck, actually, with this bit of separation here. And, and like, and, but but for, the, for the Hebrews that read this, ah, the, the bronze snake on the pole is not God, but God's in the pole. Like it's this, this, the pole doesn't heal, but God heals. It's the Holy Spirit because God's in everything and everything's in Him. And, and, and later on, they came into trouble back when you read the books of Kings, and they began to worship the created thing, and that became an issue. And, and, and when we begin to worship the thing rather than the one who created it, the God's in all things, but, and, and all things are in Him. And it's this mindset. We struggle to understand these things, and, uh, and, um, but the Eastern Orthodox understood it as well as the, as the Hebrews and began to see these things. And there's not even a stranger verse. Acts chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, and they laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. As he passed by, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed by a shadow. It's like, what? A shadow? Like, I was thinking well, we might do some healing meetings. Just like, I'm going to just walk past, let my shadow touch you, and listen to healing. And like, like you got to understand something. <laughs> the shadow is not God, but God's in everything. It's the power of God that heals the, uh, the, and then we understand things. We, you, you, that's why you don't go into the, in the middle of the bush to try to find God. I'm going to look for a tree and I'm going to pray to that tree. You don't do that because you don't find God. You don't discover God. God finds you. God reveals himself to you. He uses his creation to reveal himself to you. When you pick up the word of God, God reveals himself to you. It's the revelation of God. God finds you. He found you at the right time. The reason why you're sitting in this building is because God has been pursuing you and you're here at the right time and God is revealing himself to you. 
So don't go look at a tree to find God. It's just a tree. <laughs> don't go look at some stones or some, or, or some sand. I'll just kind of meditate, meditate on the universe. That's not God. You're not going to find him. God's in everything. But God is distinct. He reveals himself. He reveals, you know, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, way maker, miracle maker. Come on. He's in everything. When you find yourself alone, when you find yourself uh, feeling like you're so distant to God, that's, that's the, we have this issue of dualism, that God is somehow over there and we're somehow over here. And, and, and for whatever reason, we think there's like this balance point that God is, 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 is ticking up all the good things and the bad things we've done. And we think, well, I think, I've, I'm, thinking I'm, I think I'm going through this because of all the bad things I've done. I haven't weighed that over a bit more. God is somewhere over there. No, we get that wrong. God is everywhere. Even when you feel all alone, even when you feel that God is not at work, He is working. He never stops. He never stops. He's in everything. And you know, uh, King David says, even when you go to the pits of hell, He is there. He permeates all creation. He's in everything. So when they're hiding behind a bush, God's in the bush. He's in the bush and they're hiding from God. How can you hide from a being who's everywhere? He loves you. He loves you. All creation points to God, the true creator. We don't worship the creation or the create or the created. We worship the creator. Amen. And, and all these things. And, and, and it's kind of, sometimes it's hard to understand these things. And, and, and so, so for Maori, they've got an Eastern perspective because, after all, um, we're descendant. Through, through um, the, the Chinese, that's right, we're, we're brothers. Okay, I know I don't look Chinese, but it's okay. Let's move on. <laughs> and, um, and, and, so, and so for us, like, we, we got given this, this, this um, black jade. What's the name of that? It was a black jade stone, and uh, we got we're given this. And, you know, and this is, and the Maori mythology was, was like there was a tanifa, the scale of the tanifa, and that was a mythology. But you know, let me tell you something when the revelation comes. You know, God, God is so creative, He weaves Himself throughout His creation. And all cultures, he weaves himself in all of his, of his cultures. And when he begins to reveal himself within the cultures, we look back, ah, this God was there all along. Like Paul, he points out, I love this, and he points out to the Greeks. He says this in Acts 17, verse 23. For as I was walking, this is in one of the Greek cities, as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And on one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God, the God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. I'm bringing revelation. I'm bringing revelation. It's God's story throughout all cultures. God's story. You know, um, I love the story of the, of the, the sculptor. Got this big marvel piece and he chipped it away and he, and he chipped this beautiful horse out of this marvel stone. And somebody asked him, how do you do that? How do you, how do you? produce something as beautiful as that? How do you produce a horse out of a lump of stone? And the artist said, it's simple. All I do is I chip away the parts that's not a horse. But you know what we do with culture sometimes? We throw it all out. But when revelation comes, we chip away the bits in our culture that is not of God and it reveals something beautiful within our culture. And we look back after the revelation, ah, I can see God in this all along. But the revelation comes. God reveals. God reveals. God reveals. 
we, we can't find, we don't go praying to any tree. After this, don't run into the bush. You ain't gonna find God. You can't discover God. You can't find him. But he discovers you. He finds you. He runs after you. He loves you. He reveals himself to you. Beautiful story. You know, we had, I don't know if some of you might have remembered this. Remember one time last year, we had a bit, we had a bit of a prayer time and all these about 20 Maori warriors walked in. It was like, I was like, what the heck's going on? Oh, this is me. Okay, sorry. What is going on? Just in case you got issue with heck. Anyway, I don't even know what I mean to say. You know, just forget that. Get that out of your head. Context, context. They, all these guys walked in, right? And they, they come marching down. They got all these weapons of warfare. And then they laid them down on, down on the stage. And I was like, I'm like, what the heck's going on? Oh, sorry, I said it again. What's going on in this place? I was going, and then asked me, and what was happening is Tainui was going, was reconciling with, with, with tribes in Taranaki. And so these weapons of warfare, they want to consecrate these for peace. So we prayed and, and, and for peace. And, and these, these guys never been in church before thinking, they were wondering what's going on. But we, we pray for God's peace. And you know, sometimes we can think that's strange, is that right? But yet when people ask me to go to their house to bless their house, when they go and ask me to come and consecrate, oh, could you bless my house because there's some nasty things that went in there. So I go around praying for the house, consecrate, I speak God's peace on this house, God's peace on this house. People even ask me to pray for their cars, pray for peace on their cars. And, and so I'm praying, God, just pray they keep them safe, Lord, just pray for wisdom so they drive within the speed. <laughs> so don't blame God if you crash. Okay, so, <laughs> but when we understand that God is in all things and all things are in Him, that God's in, in these tools, but God's not, these things and the stone that was given for our granddaughter who has cancer the stone does not heal but the power of God does the healing we don't worship the stone we worship the creator and, and, and we just got to chip, chip away the things that are not of God and right at the end after Job going back to Job 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 going back to Job Jay himself after he has this revelation of God, God reveals himself to him. It leaves Job in a place of humility. And that I will still worship God regardless if things are going well or not. I will still worship him. It's not based upon what I do. My worship is based upon who he is. And that's what the story of Job is. Like, we will go through hard stuff but it's not based upon what you've done. It's life. But it's what you do when you do go through something like that. What are you doing right now? Some of you are going for a place of testing. Are we giving it over to God? Do we trust God? Because when we hand things over to God, when we leave everything in God's hand, eventually we'll see God's hand in everything. In everything. You know, when you read the story, it's really interesting. God was gonna judge Job's friends. But what does Job do? He steps in the gap and he begins to intercede on behalf of his friends. And what, this, is a, this is quite a crucial verse in this whole book of Job. Job 42 verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends, when he prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. He's praying for his friends, but the Lord restores his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. It's while he was praying. It wasn't after the fact he started praying. It wasn't that God was waiting to see. God wasn't sitting there waiting 
to see, oh, I wonder how Job's gonna react now. And if he passes the test, then I will bless him. It's while he was in that place, while he was naked, while he lost everything, he still was able to intercede on behalf of his friends. Let me tell you, if you're going through, if you feel like you're going through a whirlwind of issues right now, can you still pray for somebody who's coming in against you? Can you still pray for somebody who's trying to take everything from you? Can you still pray for them amongst that? Because the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Availeth much. You gotta understand, you know, if you've been through some testing, and you continue to trust God. Do you trust God when everything's going astray? I feel like I feel like getting revenge for myself. Do you trust God to put it in His hands? But they're coming. Do you trust Him? Because those who leave everything in God's hand will eventually see God, God's hand in everything. I know we're going longer than than we should. I just want to end on this because. You know what saddens me? This is, this is the purpose of the series, the woke series, okay? The purpose of the woke series is to, is to reveal the truth of our past and know the truth. But what saddens me is when, when there's, when, and, and there's so much out there. There's so much out there. And I understand that because I understand the context they come from. But I understand out there when people say that, that Pakia forced Christianity on Maori. That saddens me. I said, I wish they were in our work series. I wish they were, this is the purpose of this. That Pākehā forced Christianity on Maori. That saddens me because when I think of Tamihana, when I think of Tarore, Uita, Ngākuku, King Pototo, King Tafio, when I think of all these people who received the gospel, when I hear that they forced them, I think, what are you trying to say? That these guys were weak-minded? That they were easily swayed? Let me, you know, this is what the series is about. That when the missionaries came, what are the, when the revival began to spread, it was through the Word of God. That they translated directly from the Greek and from the Hebrew, directly into te reo Māori. <laughs> and they began to write, Tamihana. they began to teach him how to read and write his own language, but the gospel you know what's amazing? God began to reveal himself to Wurumu Tamiana through the writings. And he's reading to learn to write and these messages begin to transform his heart. Come on. You know, it was the partnership between the Pākehā missionaries and the Māori that brought the transformation of this nation. And when we don't know our history, then we're swayed by the opinions of many. You know what I love about Wurumu Tamiana? He created this his new pa, and he called it Peria. You know what Peria means? It means the Bereans from the book of Acts. Be like the Bereans who searched the scriptures daily to see that what was, was spoken about was true. He was a man that searched his scripture daily. He wasn't easily swayed. In fact, Wurumi Tamiyan is in the top 10 of all Kiwis that have ever lived, according to our records. He's in there too. And when I hear, when I, it does sad to me when it said that Pakia forced the Maori when I think of Wurumutamiana, when I think of Tarore, when I think of Ngākuku, Uita, when I think of King Pototo, King Tafiao, I grieve for them when I hear that. Because it puts all what they fought for meant nothing. Hold firm to truth. 
hold firm to the Word of God. See, the gospel message transcends culture and time. It applies just the same to a Tibetan monk in 2020 as it would do to a Maori warrior in 1836. Those who leave everything in God's hand will eventually see God's hand in everything. Stay woke. Stay woke. 